issues. But first, we get to visit with North Dakota's lone congressman. That's right, the congressman from the great state of North Dakota, Congressman Kelly Armstrong. Congressman, good to have you on News and Views. Thanks for having me. I always tell everybody I do the job of 38 Texans. <laughs> there you go. I don't doubt it, man. I don't doubt it. I want to talk to you a little bit about backwards before we go forwards and get into your race for governor. But I want to talk about what's happening uh, out in D.C. Obviously, it appears that uh, we're nowhere any. Are we any closer to making sure that the government doesn't shut down? I've got to ask you that one. We're closer in time. I, I can tell you that I, there are a vast majority of us in the Republican conference that do not think a shutdown is a good idea. I also don't think another CR is a good idea. I think people hate them. You know, I was just at the Minot military base yesterday, and uh, they, we, we forget how expensive the opportunity cost is with those things. So we've got one tranche, tranche due on March 1st, and I know the four corners of the appropriators are working hard to get a final product, and I really hope we have it before we get there. So. Uh, I also want to talk about your caucuses, or I call caucus, I suppose I'm supposed to say conference, the new ways to go here. But uh, uh, the, the Republicans, the Republicans in the House have pushed this impeachment inquiry, talking about a star witness. Uh, that's what they made reference to a number of times, uh, the leaders on that committee and leaders in your conference. Alexander Smirnoff is now found out to be an individual that lies and an individual that's actually working with Russian intelligence intelligence agencies. And he's the star witness that has been used by your uh, conference. What do you say to that? What does this end the inquiry? No, well, we're going to depose Hunter Biden next week. Uh, I think that is going to be a very interesting uh, deposition. And I think we'll finish up and write a report. Uh, I will say this, uh, and this is something I have cautioned everybody in D.C. about. One of my biggest frustrations and one of the reasons I I think I frustrate media sometimes is I'm not always interested in 48-hour news cycles. I've done these things. I've witnessed. I've I've interviewed witnesses. This is what I used to do for my whole life. And one of the key key things that I think politicians on both sides do is they forget that if you overpromise and underperform, there's a real problem. But I also am really interested in some different long-term questions, because if the, if the allegations against him are true, I'm really concerned about what, I mean, he, the FBI and DOJ said he was one of their most trusted and most valued informants. And I'm, I, I mean, we have to take a broader look at if what they said is true, how much of that was coming through for the entire time he was working for the FBI and DOJ. Don't you have to take a step back, though, and take a look in the mirror as well? I mean, it, it, this is somebody that you've pushed forward. Uh, you and, and the Republican conference have pushed forward and said, look, this is our star witness. Y- y- you're, you're out there. I have never said he's our star to, witness. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the guys you work with. In fairness to you, I will acknowledge it. Well, I can't but take I'm, a step back for other people. <laughs> well, well it's, your, it's your conference, Congressman. I mean, it, it's your caucus that pushed this, and now their deflection is it's all the FBI's fault, when in fact they had the opportunity to talk to him. They had the the opportunity to investigate him. He was everything they wanted for what they were trying to accomplish, and we found out he's a liar that works with the Russians. I mean, at some point, don't you have to just put this to bed and acknowledge the fact that it's over? 
We're going to continue through. We're going to depose Hunter Biden. I don't know if there's a human being that's ever needed to be deposed more than Hunter Biden. We're going to get through this, and we're going to figure out where we're at, and we're going to write a report. There's still $20 million. There's still a text from Hunter Biden shaking down a Chinese a Chinese national with uh, telling him that his dad and him are the two people that never forget. There are a lot of – there's still a presidential t- transition team interfering with the FBI when they were trying to interview Hunter Biden. You pick one piece of a multifaceted thing, and it's not great news. And anybody who says it's great news is lying to you and lying to lying to the American people. But it's still one piece of an overall investigation. And we didn't but, really have an opportunity to talk to him or interview him because he was because the FBI never followed up on it. The DOJ never followed up on it. And we don't have a crack tactical team from the House Oversight Committee that we then can why were they promoting Soviet him as company. such then? Why would they because promote him a, as such? Because because we have an FBI document that says exactly what it says, and we have the FBI telling us that he is one of their most trusted sources, which is why they can't reveal his name, and they refuse to give us the piece of paper which says exactly what it says. That is the information we had. That is damning information on a piece of paper. We're coming back now, and if all of these things are true, I think a lot of people are going to have egg on their face, and not just it, Republicans in Congress. Is it a situation where uh, if you find out and you go into the details obviously we've said on this show and you and i have had this conversation congressman armstrong where we acknowledge the fact that if hunter biden did something wrong you know prosecute him do what you do but the link between hunter biden and his father and what was being told by this russian operative which is really what he ended up being i mean doesn't this take it to another place where we as a government can move forward in a different direction well, we have all, he's not the only one that said it. By the way, we have Hunter Biden's own words saying he did it. There's no doubt he sold $20 million at least a minimum but of you access mi- to you the dad. But you, you, you well, missed the premise of my question. You missed the premise of my question. You are you're, saying you're talking this about Hunter Biden. I'm talking about the tie to the president, Congressman. Well, the, That's tie, to what the, I'm president is the, the tie to the president is in Hunter Biden's own words. We have, I mean, we he said it, and we know it happened. So the you, money was made, you believe was that Joe Biden day. committed a crime? You believe that Joe Biden committed not, a crime? Um, no, I don't. I don't think we have that okay. information yet. That's why we continue through this. Okay, let, let's move do, on. Do I believe uh, there, he did? Yes. Do we have the proof of it? No, not in a. So not, you be, not, you believe that I Joe Biden a committed a crime? I think they were. Okay. In, I think they I think you cannot. Crime's a strong word. I think he was fully aware of the influence peddling his son was doing and either tacitly allowed it or was somehow in, engaged in it. Yes. Okay. Well, let, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, your race for, for governor. Uh, we're going to get to that after after the break. But I want to I want to get to to this issue as well. The president now is saying that he's going to go around Congress. He's going to use executive authority when it comes to asylum on the border. Uh, there are many in, on the Republican uh, caucus now who are saying he doesn't have the legal authority to do that. Uh, what are his options if, in fact, he's being told now that he can't go around Congress to do the actions he's looking to take place on the southern border? Well, I'm assuming he doesn't have a DeLorean and he can't go back in time and undo the two executive orders he issued as soon as he got into the White House. But he does have some executive authority. A lot of what we put in HR2 
was codifying the things that the president already has the ability to do. And he should do whatever he can to stop the southern border, because this is bigger than all of politics. And it's bigger than, you know, codifying 5,000 illegal immigrants every single day and all of those things. And we need to stop it because we need to stop the flow of fentanyl. We need to give our – he needs to do everything he can to give our federal law enforcement agents operational control of the border. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about your race for governor. Uh, Tammy Miller certainly has ratcheted it up. Uh, you can't go anywhere without seeing a Tammy Miller ad been endorsed by Governor Burgum. Uh, every time you see her, she's wrapping herself around a, a Donald Trump bumper sticker. And we'll talk about that uh, when we come back here on News and Views. Welcome back to the News and Views of Radio Network. Joel Heitkamp, your host on the home base here, uh, KFGO. Uh, we've got Congressman Kelly Armstrong with us. Congressman, uh, you're in a race for governor. Uh, Tammy Miller announced that she's to be your opponent. She's going directly to the primary. She's not going to seek the endorsement of the Republican convention. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, everybody makes their choice, and I, that's how you do it. I've worked hard to uh, have a lot of relationships all across the state. What I don't understand is it's one thing to not go to the convention. It's not. It's another thing to not engage the grassroots at all. I mean, we've been from Dickinson to Devil's Lake. We'll be in Valley City, Grafton, Grand Forks, uh, all of that. And I, I mean, I think if I think if you want to be the governor of the great state of North Dakota, you should talk to the people who are voting for you. It, it appears that uh, her strategy is, and av- after having been endorsed by Governor Burgum yesterday, her strategy is, and you see it in her ads, to be surrounded by uh, Burgum and Donald Trump. Are you going to seek Donald Trump's endorsement for governor? Donald Trump's going to be the next nominee for, and probably the next president of the United States. And I, if the Republican president of the United States would endorse me, I would take that endorsement. What do you think it'll mean if he endorses her? Uh, I don't. I'm not worried about that. You know, I think one of the things that has always frustrated me about my colleagues in politics with Donald Trump is, uh, you know, they've I'm far in the road is littered with people who have tried to cozy up to Donald Trump when it's convenient to them. Uh, I've been in I've been in the trenches defending him. You and I have fought about this for five years over two sham impeachments and on judiciary and all of those different things. Uh, it's I always I always have a little skepticism of people whose mega hat still has a tag on it. Have you spoke to uh, Governor Burgum and asked why he endorsed Tammy Miller uh, or do you yeah. have some sense? Is there a problem between you two? I don't think so. I've had a great relationship with Doug. I mean, I talk to Governor Burgum, Senator Hoven, Senator Kramer all the time. We still all have jobs to do, and that's to advance the things for North Dakota. Um, I would I actually would be surprised if he didn't endorse his own lieutenant governor. Uh, that's I mean, that's the closest position. You pick that person to be governor if you think uh, something happens to you. And I, I think it would be I quite frankly think it would be odd if he didn't. So uh, let me ask this. Have you chosen your lieutenant governor? This Tammy no, Miller's obviously are, Doug Burgum's. Are you down to a short list? We are in the process of putting one together. Um, this is an important decision. There are a lot of things that go into it. Um, at the end of the day, that is the number one decision. Can this person leave the state of North Dakota if something unspeakable would happen? But we are nowhere near through that. We will collaborate with lots of different people. And get, I'm, I don't have, I don't have, uh, you know, the the only good idea in the room. And I have a lot of people I trust that care deeply about North Dakota and the Republican Party that we will involve in that process. Uh, uh, you know, Tammy Miller's come out and said that if she is elected governor, she will eliminate income tax in the state of North Dakota. 
Uh, is that something you support? I, yes, I think we have the lowest income tax of any state that has one, provided it doesn't mess with anything about figuring out property tax relief. And I, and I say that because it, it's the number one thing. I've been all over the state. I mean, obviously, they're trying to get the repeal on the ballot. All of those things exist. But I'm telling you, when you go talk, and it's not just, you know, people online. We met with the Minot Chamber yesterday. It's an issue. People are really concerned about it. So a lot of it depends on what the budget looks like and how we can figure out something there. The state of North Dakota has over $10 billion in reserves, and all of our property taxes are going up. Uh, many of us just paid them uh, again, and they saw an increase, and it, it didn't. we didn't like it. So my question of you no, is, Governor, like what do you, yeah, well, what are you going to do to fix it with all that money that well, North Dakota has in the bank? So I, I'll tell you what I told the guys in Minot yesterday. we got to think outside the box. We've tried a lot of different things. None of them have worked. we got to get people from city commissions, county commissions, and school boards, uh, not just legislators and executive branch officials. you got to get small towns. you got to get larger communities. I mean, you know, you live in Fargo, and a lot of the issue there is sometimes with specials, and we got to figure out a dynamic because nothing we've tried for 12 years has really worked. Um, I, and I think the $500 rebate, unfortunately, is probably the best thing. I know Scott Lauser dra- or dra- or started a bill or introduced a bill yesterday. Uh, I haven't had a chance to look over it, but I'm glad people are thinking about this issue in a meaningful way because it is it is on the minds of every North Dakota. What, when you look at it from a standpoint of, listen, we have given tax breaks in the state of North Dakota, beyond belief, the oil industry, the oil extraction tax. I mean, Harold Ham, who doesn't live in North Dakota, who calls Oklahoma home, Harold Ham has received billions uh, in North Dakota dollars going back to him. Why? Why him and not that, that couple that I'm sitting here looking out the window of in Fargo that lives in a home that they raise their kids in every year the, the valuation increases and they can't afford to pay the property taxes? We take 10% right off the top of every boil of oil. If you like flood protection in Fargo, if you like it anywhere across the state, if you like the new schools, if you like the common schools trust fund, if you like the legacy fund, that is where the money comes from. And we just hit a new uh, record for producing wells in North Dakota, which is going to help us forever for the state. And to say that 10% off the top of every single barrel of oil is a tax break, I think is not understanding the economics of the oil and gas industry. Well, uh, here's the economics. They have record profits. They have record profits. So if we're going to sit here and, and act as though they're our savior and then we don't use the money that actually we do generate from them and we allow everybody's property taxes to go through the roof, I don't think we have a great tax policy, Congressman. Well, I think in the oil extraction tax and gross production tax are what fund the significant portion of not only our state government but every single infrastructure process progress or thing across the state. And I think it's working pretty well if we just hit a new t- new number on producing wells. And that is how we remain competitive in a global marketplace. And it's not like it's pittance. It's a lot. It's a lot of money, and we see the benefits of it everywhere in the state, not just in the OPAP. So I completely well- disagree with that. Well, you completely disagree with it, but you say that it, it oil pays for everything. I would argue that property taxes pay for a great portion of what we do. Now, that being said, individuals like yourself and your conference, your caucus, have gone around saying that the oil industry is being decimated by the Biden administration. You just used the word record three, four times. Which one is it? Both. It could be both. They just tried to ban 16 natural LNG facilities that allow us 
to, to provide cheap and reliable, affordable, affordable energy to our allies all across the world. That's going to stop infrastructure projects in places a lot of people in North Dakota have never heard of. And it's going to divert infrastructure projects to places, uh, to places and countries who have our ill will at heart. We, and the fact that the market is not responding to the, the electrification of the entire United States uh, government and the United States economy, which is what President Biden wants, is a show that even the market thinks his policies are a terrible idea. How, how, in, the, how in the world can it be both? Let me let me point out a couple things and let you respond to it. Number one, the oil industry is at record profits. Number two, they are pumping more oil than they ever, ever had before. Number three, your side of the aisle is saying that the economy has been decimated. Inflation and everything else has basically put the economy at a standstill, and yet we as Americans are using more oil oil than we ever have, which means we've got vehicles moving, which means we have products moving. The, the things, it, it just doesn't add up as though this whole economy has gone to hell in a handbasket. And every single one of those inflationary drivers is because of the high cost of energy. If not every one of them, the vast majority of them. We're producing more oil, and it's costing North Dakotans more to fill their car. We're producing more electricity that's, on the grid, and it's costing – well, no, it's costing North Dakotans more money. More money. It is absolutely true. There's a it's story in California true. yesterday where it's – you don't think it costs more to fill you your said car North up Dakotans. until you got elected? You said North Dakota. You don't think it costs – it doesn't cost North Dakotans more to fill their car up today than before Joe Biden got elected. Well, first off, I think, just as you've stated before, I don't think that the price of gas is determined by anything other than the industry itself, which is making record profits. Congressman, we're about out of time. I, I want people to find your website. What's your website Armstrong for running for, for governor, governor, sir? Armstrong, Armstrong for, governor. for governor. Armstrong for governor. I've been told you don't, you don't have to say the dot com. Okay, you don't run and hide. You have tough conversations. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, y'all.